0: Welcome to episode 60, 60, wow, 60 episodes of From the Shed End podcast with myself, Tito as always, and I'm joined by Theo. So first and foremost, how are you doing, Theo?
1: Yeah, football aside, I had a, an amazing 10 days abroad in the sun, um, about to lose my tan probably here in London as it's kind of grey out there right now. But um, yeah, like I said, football aside, I've had a really good time and can't complain. Uh, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um yeah, it's been, it's been okay. It's been not, not, not too bad, but, um, yeah, you know, obviously football aside, it's been it, it disheartening watching the Arsenal game, but, um, yeah, apart from that, no, it's been good. It's been good, you know, uh, enjoying the half term, kids, all of that stuff. But, chocolate yeah. eggs, I'm sure. Chocolate A lot eggs, of chocolate. You've, yeah, East, Easter egg hunts, chocolate eggs. It feels like ages ago Easter. it was only what Sunday, Sunday, but yeah, just the usual with kids, but, um. As always, guys, if you're listening on Spotify, we do have a YouTube channel. The subscribers, I asked for 50 subscribers by, I think it was by Sunday, by the cup final, the FA Cup semi-final. We got to 50, we got 52 now, which is brilliant. Um, Our views are going up slowly as well. So we do appreciate everyone that is um, subscribed. If you're not, please make sure you smash the subscribe button and the like button and let us know your thoughts as well in the comments. And yeah, of course, let's get straight into it because I think We've got a, a couple couple games to talk about. Let's let's go all the way back to last weekend, Crystal Palace FA Cup semi final. Very cagey game. Um, give me your thoughts initially. I know you was away. I think at the time, but give me your thoughts on on the game.
1: Well, I thought first half was pretty lacklustre. If I'm completely honest, we didn't really show much grit or much much fight. Palace probably had the best chance in that first half. If I'm not mistaken. I think Joachim Anderson hitting the post. Second half, we woke up. We did really, really well, I felt. Um, both goals were pretty, pretty good, if I'm honest, from Loftus-Cheek. A brilliant strike from him. I know it took a deflection, but we have to remember that's his first goal of the season. Then you could tell how much the celebrations, by the celebrations, what it meant to him. Mason Mount got the second goal. Uh, I think Timo Werner, some really good work from Timo Werner and uh, build up to that goal. Um, but no, when you look at, look at the scoreline, 2-0 against Palace in the semi-final, and I think I did mention a while back how I thought Palace would be really up for this one, given the date trip to Wembley, they don't get it as often as maybe a Chelsea, a City, a United, those type of teams. So I thought they'd be really up for it. And scoring two against them, clean sheet, I thought that was a really, really impressive scoreline. Um, we saw that the, the game at Selhurst Park back, I think in February, how tricky that was. We the a last-minute winner from Hakim Ziyech to, to get the three points. I was kind of expecting more of the same in that semi-final but the fact like I said we scored two what was a relatively comfortable second half um was, was very pleasing I thought maybe we could bounce back after that kind of disappointment of Real Madrid I know the Real Madrid performance was really really good but I thought we could bounce back from the whole kind of overall tie and we did but then bloody Wednesday's game um put that all in the bin. Um, so I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about that later, unfortunately. But, but yeah, um, it was a pleasing performance and we're in a final now, which is um, third year in a row. So let's hope this time we can actually win it. and I don't have to make that miserable walk back to Wembley
0: Park tube station after a defeat. The curse. The curse, curse. that has been Theo for a, a while. But no, I think you're, I think you're right. You're not, <coughs> excuse me, I thought you was um, you were spot on. I thought it was always going to be difficult Growing up against the Crystal Palace team that didn't really have nothing to lose. You know, if they go out, they go out with pride. They got to the semi-final. They actually started the game, I thought, a lot better than we did in the first half. I thought they had the better chances as well. But, you know, it came at a cost. You know, we've lost Mate- Mateo Kovacic now for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I think Thomas Succo said earlier, earlier in the week, it's expected around two weeks that he'll be out for. It's a big loss. It's a big loss. And we, we got to, we will touch on Arsenal shortly, but we got to see how important Mateo Kovacic is, is, is in that midfield at the moment. I'd arguably say he's probably our best midfield player that we've got at the moment. The way that Angolo Kante's been playing, the way that Jorginho's kind of been in and out of the team as well. It does show a lot of what Kovacic has been doing for us. But I thought the goal, I mean, Ruben, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, we spoke about him, I think in the, the previous two episodes around. You know I was, one of the people saying, you know, is his time up at Chelsea? Should he, should he move on? And I know you was a big believer and still are a big believer that, you know, he's still got a role to play and it's kind of these games where, you know, he, he turns up, he, get, he gets a goal deservingly as well. Putting a brilliant performance, you know, a brilliant performance off the back of, you know, you think back to Southampton, you have Real Madrid, those two big, big games, big game, big That's performances. Brilliant. And then to, to go into a game against Crystal Palace at Wembley, mass, massive game for Ruben Loftus-Cheek.
1: No, I'd also agree. Um, like you mentioned, his performances at the Bernabeu and uh, away to South, Southampton were really, really promising. And he just felt like he deserved the goal on the back end of those games. The score at a semi, um, against his former club, he went down alone as well in a semi-final at Wembley in the FA Cup. was, um, was really, really uh, He deserved it deservingly. And the finish was brilliant as well, I felt. I think it was a really underrated finish. Yes, it took a deflection, like I mentioned earlier, but the technique to kind of get down and volley that ball I put power on it as well beyond the keeper's reach. was really impressive. I'm kind of hopeful now that that goal will trigger something and he can score a couple more before the end of the season and unlock that 2019 form he had under Maurizio Sarri.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it did come at a cost um, with Matteo Kovacic. But before we move on to the Arsenal game, Liverpool in the final, May the 14th. It's almost a part two of the League Cup Early this this season, but I, I'm confident. I'm really confident that we can beat Liverpool. We, we I mean, you think back to every game: Anfield, mm-hmm. Stamford Bridge, the League Cup final. We were the better team. We were the better team, and and mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't get battered. We didn't get hammered. You know, you sometimes you see Liverpool very much like they did against uh, Manchester United earlier in, in the week. You know, they they it seemed to just manhandle teams, but they don't seem to do that with Chelsea. I think. Bar the fact we had ten men at Anfield for the best part of forty-five minutes plus, you know, stoppage time or whatever. Even in the game against uh, the FA, the League Cup final in in uh, at Wembley, we were a better team. We shouldn't have lost that game. I think that's a, a, a fact. You know, it was an offside. We we've we've all had our you know we've all all had our, our moans and groans about that. But Liverpool are beatable, and I think sometimes they are probably the best team in 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 Europe. We have to say they're one of the best, but they're beatable. They really are. I don't know what you think about our chances in the FA Cup, the final. You know, what, what's what's our chances of beating Liverpool?
1: No, like like you mentioned, all three games we played against them this season, I felt like we were the better team. Played at Anfield, forty-five minutes with ten men, and we've defended really, uh, really valiantly in that second half. Stanford Bridge and at Wembley, they should have been down to ten men. I don't know what VAR. VAR probably wasn't functioning those two days because. I think it was Mane, Elbowings, Aspi, Cater, Stamping on Chiloba. We like you said, we moan and groan about these decisions a lot on the, on this podcast. But we're we're rightful to we're allowed to do that because they were they were shocking. And I feel like there's gonna be more controversy in that final. It is Liverpool, you know what happens when Liverpool play. But they are, they do have some vulnerabilities. We saw that against them, Benfica in the Champions League, conceding three at Anfield. I feel like. If um, if Havertz Lukaku bounce whichever front three plays Werner now that he's on form uh, find a bit of a bit of a dynamism and kind of link up play between all of them we will kind of unlock that defence I do feel like and we did do that at times at Wembley I remember and particularly in that end of that second uh, first half at Stamford Bridge so I do like you I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm optimistic um, but at the same time. <laughs> It's Chelsea. It's a final. It's an FA Cup. We haven't been lucky in these recent finals. We haven't been lucky against Liverpool. So I feel like it may be a question of who's the luckiest team on the day, potentially. But all we can do is just play our best football and hope that we can we can get the some silverware to finish the season.
0: Yeah, and and we forget, you know, we we, you know, I obviously done my my match reaction to the Arsenal game, gave player ratings, which I, I look back on now and I feel was a bit harsh, but we forget we have had some silverware already this season. We look at the, the Club World Cup and go back as far as the Super Cup, whether you want to class that as, you know, last season' success or this season, but it's still, you know, played as, as part of this season for me. But we've had some good successful times already this season. I think if we can get top four, maybe an FA Cup, I think it's been an, an, an okay season. I wouldn't, you know, scream from the rooftops about it, but I think based on how we've, I think it was 55 games, Thomas Suko said earlier on today, the fact that we've had a lot of injuries, COVID issues, we've had to play through COVID as well. It's been a half decent to get to the final. Yes, you might have had an easier, if that's the right word, an easier run to the final than some of the other teams. I think that was one of the things a lot of people mentioned at the weekend was, you know, we played a, no disrespect to them, but a lot of lower league teams get to the final but you gotta play what's in front of you and I think you know if we'd faced any of the other teams I'm sure we would have just given as much as we did against the Luton or a a Plymouth or Chesterfield it's just it's just the look of the draw unfortunately
1: yeah I mean like you mentioned you can only play what's in front of you we played Middlesbrough who we have to remember knocked out both United and Tottenham so we just had to play what was in front of us and we're in the final now we had I think it was a very tough run to the final I can't remember it was last season or the season before I think we played Leicester United then I think last season it was City in the semis, so we haven't had it easy in the past. But maybe it's about time we get a bit of luck of the draw. But um, but no, I think we just have to give it all in that final. It's our last kind of way of getting some kind of redemption out of this season because I don't think it will be a successful season if we lose the FA Cup final and maybe we drop to fourth uh, uh, rather than third because I think now that we're third, we mm-hmm. want to stay there, particularly when you look at what's below us and how you know big the rivalry is with those teams. It would be embarrassing for our fan base. And we know, like we always say, the kind of banter on the WhatsApps and the Twitters will be hard for us Chelsea fans to take. So um yeah, I think top top three I wanna say and FA Cup. And I won't I won't be particularly chuffed like I was maybe last season when we won the Champions League, of course, but at this stage of the season, given the circumstances, we'll take it.
0: Let's let's move on to to Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To, to be honest, uh, I I'm I'm still not over it. I, I haven't. I tried to watch uh, Burnley, Southampton last night. I just couldn't. I couldn't even get into it. But yeah, let's let's start off with let's start off with the lineup because I think it did surprise a few people. Malangsa over Chalabar, um Lukaku back in the team. It was. I mean, some of them were forced. Obviously, Rudiger, Kovacic not being in the team. You you would expect a couple of changes, but. Just give me your thoughts on the lineup that Thomas Tuchel went with, especially against Arsenal, who you know we haven't had the best record against. You, I think I mean, you said earlier, you know, we, we gift, we gifted, but we're going to gift them. You said Charity FC, so yeah. you know, give give me your thoughts on on uh, the lineup.
1: I think I can understand why Tuchel wants to rotate. We've got a game midweek, a game every weekend now, probably till the end of the season, two games a week. We need to rotate. We can't afford more injuries like we have with Kovacic and Rudiger. But I think the changes that he made showed that he didn't respect the opponent. It was complacent. It was arrogance. Saar, I think he's a good player. Is he good enough to start at home against Arsenal in the the Premier League? No, he's not. Like you mentioned, I would much rather Chaloba. I know that Chaloba's had his ups and downs this season, but I think he's a better ball-playing defender and he shows a lot more reassurance as well because I think Sala, particularly when he was on a yellow card in that second half, he was playing like a headless chicken making rash decisions, rash mistakes and I just knew that he probably, I thought he was going to get sent off he probably should have got sent off at one stage but um, that was a bit shocking I felt like what really worried me how he started off and his defensive mistakes we made was as soon as you take Rudiger, Silva and maybe Kovacic out, out of that team, there's no spine to it there's no kind of Every time the ball is sent into the penalty box, it looks like we're going to concede a goal. I don't know. It just felt like it was... I mean, yeah, Arsenal were shambolic defensively as well, but we were, we were worse than them. And that's why we conceded four. We gifted... I'd say three of those four goals were gifted to Arsenal easily. And it seems to be the story of... When we, every time we played Arsenal at home last season, Jorginho passing it back to Kepa, then Smith-Rowe just tapped it in. The season before that, I think Kante slipped in that game that Arsenal claimed they won, but it, you have to remember it was a 2-2 draw. It's it's really frustrating. and I think probably we're the same, but it's that one game a season, maybe alongside Liverpool, we just want to win. We, we just hate losing it because we know that a lot of our people in our friend groups are Arsenal fans, maybe Liverpool fans, but it's that one that you just know that they're going to talk about for ages, whereas we're just kind of, we expect that win, but it's such a frustrating defeat. And I think the lineup probably, I knew it from the off that I wasn't as probably Optimistic as a lot of other Chelsea fans before the lineup and after, even more so after I saw the lineup.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I was I was surprised to see Sarr so. I'm trying to think of the best performance so has had at, at Chelsea. Probably one of those games where we played four at the back and he was left back. Mm. I think maybe he, he
1: did you know. well against Brentford. I think at, in the Premier League. Yeah, away. But, but yeah, you're right. He's other than that, he's been a
0: bit. Up and down. Yeah. I, I just I I just think why would you have I mean t- to me Chalib was putting some man in the match performances when before he got injured. Think back to the League Cup, you mentioned the League Cup final. He was playing well and he deserves for me, he deserves a chance to be in that team ahead of Melangsaw. Christensen, I mean, I I, I, w- I was critical when when I was, when when he made his mistake and I was in my match my match um reaction as well, but it's just scoreboy. School it's schoolboy defending. It's things that are preventable. We can prevent these things from happening. The moment our Arsenal go 1-0, we're chasing the game. We're chasing the game with players that not necessarily are the level and standard that we need at Chelsea. You look at, um, like we mentioned, uh, Melang Lukaku up front, and I don't want to Penalised Lukaku, I thought he actually had a half decent game. He just didn't. There was just nothing. I mean, he, he the thing with Lukaku, he makes sometimes he makes the right run and he doesn't receive the service, He doesn't get the right ball. But there's some time as well. You've got to do a lot of that that hard work yourself. You've got to do the leg work yourself, and he he just doesn't do it. He's just too static, and he just doesn't move like a number. He just doesn't move like a striker. So yeah, yeah you know the the first goal, I thought all four could have been avoided. Um, you know, I thought. Nketiah, you know, to even beat Christensen the way he did in that 1v1 and the second goal, it's almost comical, the, the sort of Kante and Saar getting mixed up and Mendy should be doing Mendy. better as a goalkeeper. We should,
1: we, yeah, we need to talk about Mendy as well. He's got.
0: I mean, the, going back to the first goal, it's avoidable. Because even if Christensen, who has just got a, a simple pass back to the goalkeeper, if he doesn't, Mendy should be thinking, right, he's not the ball isn't coming towards me. Even if you come out and you just close, you make it more difficult for Enkettia to to get past um, Malangso. Malangso should be doing better. It's just there's no. It's almost like there was no. Everyone thought that some somehow this ball was going to get back to Mendy, and it was just it was just comical. Um, Smith Rose goal avoid. I think the ball starts off. <laughs> we have possession of the ball. We're, we're attacking. We lose the ball. I think Alonso gets nutmegged. I think it's Xhaka. We lose the ball. We end up on our, our backpedaling. And somehow we just sit sixes and sevens. And it's just, again, Mendy. I mean... He goes
1: the, down in slow-mo, doesn't he? He's not a <laughs> full stretch.
0: The, 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 the thing you sent me on WhatsApp was... The robot The much, robot diving yeah, like this. It's uh. pretty much what Mendy was doing. He's done it quite often this season, but more so... I mean that is he didn't even attempt to save the ball. He just goes down and just looks looks at the ball yeah, going past that's him. The and,
1: annoying thing keepers do when they get down on their knees rather than dive, and they just do that yeah, little, weird like slide thing. To the they just like kind of swift swift their body to the side.
0: It's pointless. Just it was pointless.
1: Get down and get down and dive for it. And I feel like had he died, he's he's almost two meters. He would yeah. have definitely got a fingertip to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I, I kind of do feel that too cool. I mean, he definitely got it wrong. A hundred percent. He got it completely wrong. Um, did he do it as a, almost like a pep tacti, tactically light pep? I'll, I'll let you answer. What, what do you think? Do you think he? Uh, I mean,
1: it's one of those ones where had, had we beat Arsenal three or four nil, or even God beat them one nil with a clean sheet, we would have said, oh, too cool masterclass. What a, what a lineup, you know, we pulled it off with Sar, Christensen and so on. But the fact we didn't, it's egg on too face now and it looks bad. And, mm. He's overthought things, maybe he was complacent and arrogant, I felt. But I don't think even Pep Tactical probably would not have defended like we did. So um, that's the difference probably right now with us and Man City is school board defending, Sunday League defending, defensive mistakes, gifting gifting goals to the opposition. Man City don't do that. Man City certainly don't do that.
0: I think what it showed me as well was the fact that I remember saying at the start of the season, or maybe back in the last season, we do have depth in the squad. And I remember (laughs) saying, "We we both said it. Yeah, we've got depth. I mean, we still we do. We've got a lot of players out on loan. The problem is we don't have the quality. So we've got the depth. We don't have the quality. You look at maybe Man City. You know, they could probably put out two elevens to an extent." Liverpool, Mm. not so much, but they've got enough on their bench, especially now they've got Diaz and Jota, who they can switch around. Canate, 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 um, you know, even um, Gomez, you know, you think about Gomez, they've still got um, Matip, Van Dijk, they've got maybe even left back, you know, they've got um, Simakas, who can play there now, ahead of Robertson, you know, maybe Trent, maybe Trent's the only one where... They, they would probably struggle if they lost him, but they, I think Gomez can play there as well. They've got players that can swap over and it doesn't really impact how they play. Whereas when we do that, I mean, we, st- Alonso, team Timo Verno, that left side—it was, it was, it was disgusting to watch. It really was. It was just nothing. I mean, Arteta picked up on it. If you notice, the Saka was just running, running the show down the left side. He was having a field day. Um, I wanted to talk about Saka and Aspiaqueta because I think it was a very, very soft. I think it was a penalty. I do. Um, it was a hundred percent soft, and probably the reason I think it's a penalty because. If you look at the position that Quetta's in, he's not attempting to get this ball at all. He's his objective is to he's stop. He's
1: not even looking at the ball, is he?
0: <laughs> he's not, and it's soft. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a very soft penalty to to give. I'm annoyed that it was given. I'm not. I don't. I can't remember if VAR was Chet's. It was it was Chet's, but he didn't go to the screen.
1: It didn't even look like there was a review. They usually mention yeah. VAR in review. No, that yeah. wasn't even on the on our TV screen. So I reckon so, the ref. Was quite what, sure. what's your
0: th- what was your thoughts though? Did you think it was a, a, initially it was a penalty or do you look back on it now and say, well, you know, Saka had that Speer-Quetta's arm, vice versa, it's a, it's a 50-50. It, did he, I mean, he, for me, he went down easily because he knew he was going to get a penalty. Which
1: yeah, is, I think it was just... Part of the game. As he was at boiling point, he was frustrated. and He's not what you'd expect from your captain and such an experienced player like him, but it was a penalty. But I completely agree it was soft. It was soft. I think had it been 2-2 and I was the winning goal, I'd be fuming. I'd be absolutely fuming. But because it didn't really change the, the final scoreline or the impact, the actual results of the game, I'm not that fussed. I'm not that fussed. And it was a pen, I think. You look at, like you said, his positioning, where he's looking at, where Saka is compared to Aspian, where the ball is, which is played behind the two of them. And I did see it in the corner of my eye when the ball was put into the box. And I was thinking, oh, shit. Yeah, that's going to be a penalty. Yeah. And then as soon as like that penalty was awarded, I got out of the sports box. I was watching at the airport. <laughs> Straight to the, the terminal for my, for my flight. And then it was all a blur from there and on the fight, flight. And didn't really help that the Air steward was an Arsenal fan, either asking me for the score. Oh, man. That didn't help either. That
0: really didn't <laughs> help. Yeah. I, I mean, we haven't mentioned really the goals that we scored. I mean, lucky for Timo Werner one thing I do want to speak about Timo Werner around is the fact that he seems a lot more confident and I said in the match reaction that I don't think you know a couple of weeks ago he would have even attempted to take that shot on um, albeit with the deflection that it it did have as well but I just don't think he he would have taken that shot on the confidence seems to be there I'm I'm hoping we can hopefully see you know the next couple of weeks we can see the best out of Timo Werner brilliant pre-season and kickstart the season next season with just as much confidence and, and drive from Timo Werner. I think he's key. Him and Havertz are t- the two key players that we need to, to focus on in our attack now as well. But what was your thoughts on both goals, not just Timo Werner's, but, I mean, Cesar Espriacueta scored a, a striker's goal, in my opinion, as well?
1: Yeah, I thought both goals were brilliant. I mean, like you said, a bit of luck with Werner's deflection, but the confidence it took to, for him to shoot from that kind of angle or that um, that range showed that he's he's full of confidence at the moment for a goal or a goal or an assist in his last four games, if I'm not mistaken. And Aspi's goal, the timing of the run was perfect, and the finish as well. You know, first touch, finish, absolutely brilliant. Um, haven't really fully watched it again. If I'm being honest, I don't want to really watch the highlights of that game again. But from what I remember, it was a pretty neat finish, um, type of thing you'd expect from the Havertz or a Mounts. So credit to him. But then he lost his head in the second half. Um. You know, I was really pleased when I saw Aspie on the score, on the score sheet, but I was thinking to myself. It's the same Aspie that we're used to, you know, getting into b- almost scuffs with fans, giving away probably mm. was the cheapest penalty to give away. But but yeah, I think that goal—that's what I can credit Aspie for. Was that goal was 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 well taken?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I almost agreed with the fan in that situation to an extent. Uh, sorry, the player in that situation yeah. um, with Aspie. You know, I think he's he's. Is well within his rights. I think, you know, I, I think we've, we've got into this world now where social media plays a massive part and people feel like they can just say anything to players. Um, and yes, they're there, they're there to do a job. They're there to, you know, they're, they're expected to get criticism, but I think it's how you do it. I think you've got, to you know, just they're hurling humans. abuse at someone and, and just shouting at me. I was reading that yesterday about Harry Maguire and, and the, the sort of bomb thing at his house and just the level of, understanding of how far to go. And if you're gonna hurl abuse at a player, you've got to almost expect the same back. You've got to expect that backlash. I do think he was just a, it was a bad game. Almost taught me back to the the sending off. I think it was against Aston Villa last season. Um it was just out of character for for Cesos I think he got sent off um in that game. And it just makes me wonder now, are we at a point where we need to and I said this in the match reaction, are we at a point where we I mean, I don't want to see As- As- Aspia Quetta leave it anytime soon, you know, but are we at the point where he comes on from the bench? He's still got a massive role to play. You know, we know Reese James hopefully will be in, in that right-wing-back position for the next couple of years. We've got some talented defenders maybe bringing another couple of new faces over the summer, but is it a case of maybe Aspia Quetta, 100% for me, can't play right-wing-back? It's, it's, a, it's, a it's a tiring position, a tiring role to, to play. Right yeah. centre-back, I don't know. But what's your thoughts? Is he, is he still good enough, I suppose, to, to make the, the D11 week in, week out for Chelsea? I
1: mean, he's our club captain. It's kind of very harsh to just get rid of your club captain like that and what he'll provide off the pitch. is so, so valuable, I feel. I do feel like he can't play every single game, but it's the type of games where you do expect him to fill in, where he can do a good job not a right wing back anymore. You you, you wouldn't want to be putting an Azpilicueta against a Saka or a Luis Diaz in today's Premier League. But I still think he's got a role to play at Chelsea for another year at least. I do want to see him stay for another year. I don't want to look at Wednesday night's performance and base that on the Aspie that we're so used to because even last season, he, he played in those Champions League games. He, he he did play in those games, if I'm not mistaken, those knockout games mm-hmm. later on against Madrid, Porto, and so on. And he was he was brilliant. He's still such an experienced player. He's still a starter for Spain at times uh, under Luis Enrique. He probably will get taken on the, the plane to Qatar with Spain. So um, I think I think we should keep him for another year. But I think we should definitely build this squad around Rhys James and maybe even Levi Colwell, who may play a part next season or the season beyond that
0: yeah I agree I think you know like I said I wouldn't want to see him leave I think you know he's got bags of experience and whoever comes in even for a Rhys James you know someone sort of like Rhys James I think he's there's a lot that he can learn from, a, from an Espelicueta um, last thing I want to say about the Arsenal game it's almost almost um, going to the wire in terms of top four and, you know, they're level-on points, Arsenal-Tottenham. We're on 62 points with a game in hand at the moment. Are we in a position where, if we beat West Ham, which we're going to talk about next, do you see us comfortably sitting in third for the remainder of the season?
1: If, it's a lot of ifs and buts, I feel. Um, <laughs> I mean, I said that um, if we, after the Southampton, the Southampton game, I thought we all felt we were, like, we were comfortably in third and then all it takes is one defeat and wins for your rivals. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh shoot, maybe we're not so comfortable in that third place position. Um, For, you know, we might beat West Ham, then lose to United next Thursday. Mm. And we'll be asking ourselves the same question. So I think all we've got to do now is win our games, literally win our games, particularly against these teams that are hovering right below us, the likes of West Ham, United, I think even more so than before, this West Ham game is a must-must-win now. Must-must-win, not just for the league table, but also you look at our home football recently, and it's been abysmal. Three defeats in a row at home, 11 goals con- conceded in those those um, those three games. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And we are, we're with Chelsea Football Club. We, we should be beating West Ham, regardless of how good West Ham have been this season. So I think it's a must-win, must-must-win. Um I'll be even a draw. You're starting to think it will go st- It will still go down to the wire. I've actually got tickets for that game. So I'm n- more nervous and excited now for that, for that one.
0: Let's um, let's talk about mm. the lineup potentially that we might see um, on Sunday. I don't know if I've, I don't know. I mean, I, I personally would go with Chalabar. As my three centre-backs, I'd go with Chalabar, Silva and Aspia Quetta. But before that, I've put Kepper in goal. And I I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I feel like Mendy's played a lot of football. African Cup of Nations, he's played a lot of football for Chelsea as well. He has made a lot of errors during that time. but He's also pulled off some brilliant saves. And, you know, the one that sticks out for me in terms of errors at the moment is that West Ham reverse fixture the two mistakes he made for the goal and for the penalty. Would you start Kepa on Sunday in replace of Mendy based on current form, I suppose? And we know what Kepa's about. You know, he, he's, he's not the Kepa that we, you know, we signed or was under Frank Lampard. This is, seems like a new, improved version of the Tuchel. Would you start Kepa on Sunday?
1: I'm in full agreement to start Kepa. I would have started Kepa at Wembley uh, against Palace even. Um, I feel... Forget that because just because these players aren't outfield players, they still get tired, they still get fatigued. Being a goalkeeper is a very demanding position, both physically and mentally. And I think it's about time Mendy's. I'm not saying dropped for the rest of the season, but he's given a break. He's given the break to reflect that listen, I've been poor the last few games, I've been poor since I've won the African Cup of Nations or since the League Cup final against Liverpool. I need a break now. I need to just reflect on those performances. I am too needs to make him realize that he can be dropped. And like you mentioned, Ariz- Ariz- Arizabalaga has been has been brilliant this this season. He's almost been a re- re- renaissance for for Kepper. And um, you do wonder as well when you play the same team. When in fact he messed up against them previously, you do wonder if that plays on your mind. Um, maybe maybe Moyes and the West Ham players spotted a weakness in Mendy's game in that game at the London Stadium, and they might want to use that to their to their advantage once again on on Sunday. But just not even thinking about that, I would start Kepa, like I mentioned, just to give Mendy that break and to make him realise that he can be dropped and he's not a, kind of a guaranteed starter in these, ele- these starting 11s, particularly at this stage of the season when we've got two games a week.
0: Yeah, because I think that's one of the problems. I think, you know, I remember we spoke about um, Marcus Alonso, Ben Chilwell when he was fit and it was almost that healthy, you know, ry- rivalry between the two. You know, who wants the, the left wing back position more. Chilwell or Alonso and if you remember at one point they were both in really good form and I think it is that competition that pushing each other to another level sometimes I feel like Mendy doesn't understand or realize that there is another goalkeeper that is just as good that can take his his spot you know in, in the goalkeeping position so for me i would give him the rest I don't I understand that he's he's You know, it might go against what a lot of Chelsea fans would think. But I think Kepo in this position, I think you're right. I think West Ham, if you look back to the third goal, I think it was the third goal, it's just a position. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, if you look where he is when that ball's crossed or shot, which I think was more of a cross, but just where he was, he's he's too far, his positioning is too far out. And maybe, you know, we don't want to see a repeat performance of that. And I do think mentally those things do stay in your head as well. So
1: Another weakness is his distribution. His distribution. And I'm sure West Ham would have saw, you know, they saw that that first goal when he the penalty that he gave away, they saw that his his distribution against Real Madrid, for instance, and they'll pick up on that and they'll close him down so so quickly. Think of Antonio and Bowen, how quickly they'll close him down and force him into a mistake, maybe a dodgy a dodgy clearance or a, a bad pass to maybe one of his defenders. West Ham will pick up on that. And I think that's something that Mendy really needs to improve so these teams don't, you know, close him down as quickly. But um, but yeah, I think there's a few other weaknesses. But this is just me being very picky and got with goalkeepers. But Kappa, I think
0: it's distribution. You're a goalkeeper, that's why. I mean, like
1: goalkeeper five aside, it's very different. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Kappa's distribution is def- definitely trumps um, Mendy's.
0: I'd agree. What what about the back back three and the two wing backs? Would you would you go for the traditional four at the back that we sometimes do play, or would you keep it as a, a back three, maybe you know, two wing backs in James and Alonso? I've gone for Espia Quetta, Silva, and Chalabar. I think that's arguably our best three without Rudiger. If we were to go with a back three with the two wing backs as well.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, I'm happy with that back five. I wouldn't, I mean, back three with the, the wing backs. I wouldn't go for a back four. I'm still having PTSD from the Brentford game where we played a back four. <laughs> um, and I think it's been weird that you mentioned that Christensen came off at half time injured, but then didn't mention that he was injured in his press conference today. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe I don't know if he's going to be in, maybe rested or just I don't want to say punished for his bad performance but dropped for that performance so um, I'm happy with this, um, this back three you've got a mix of experience with Silva Aspilicueta but then you do wonder as well if Chiloba hasn't played a minute of football since the international break is this the right time to bring him back into the team obviously he's, he's shown this season that he's more than capable of playing these games but I've got a feeling that maybe Tucor's not as keen on Chiloba anymore which Corey could indicate that maybe a star or a Christensen could play again in this back three. Loftus-Cheek's another option at right wing back. He's he's done well there. Maybe if he plays right wing back, he pushed James into that back three. That's another option.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was my, my thinking as well. I mean, do we put James at right centre-back, Loftus-Cheek right wing back? I just think, especially now with Kovacic, which is why I've got Loftus-Cheek in the midfield, Jorginho Loftus Cheek for me in midfield would be a better partnership than maybe Jorginho and Cante at the moment or Jorginho Sao Niguez as well. I mean, those are options, but I just think Loftus cheek still for me needs to be in the team. It's whether mm-hmm. he's at right wing back or in midfield. But what, what would you go with if if you had to? We, we keep James at right wing back. Would you stick with the two in terms of Jorginho and Loftus cheek or would you would you swap it round and maybe have I dunno maybe even a Sao Niguez in midfield with with Jorginho? I think
1: I definitely want to play Loftus cheek. I think I'd rather see him in midfield than right wing back simply because when I'm thinking of this West Ham team, the likes of Susek um mm-hmm. Antonio four now's they're tall lads as well, especially Susek. And you feel like this type of game is a cliche, but it'd be one in midfield in a way. And you would you'd want you know a tall physical player like Loftus cheek to be to be there to, to try to get the ball off of Susek or whoever it may be, win those headers in midfield, win those second balls. So I'm kind of happy with the Georginio Loftus Cheek partnership. Again, maybe a good rest for Kante, but on his day, Kante, you know what he can offer. So that's another option, I think. But I think for, given everything we've spoken about in this um, episode, I think it's right to play, drop Kante, maybe like we maybe we would have dropped um, Mendy and play Jorginho and Loftus cheek in midfield.
0: Just give me your thoughts on on Jorginho because I was having a conversation. Um, I think we kind of mentioned it ourselves earlier as well, but yesterday mm-hmm. I was having a separate conversation around Jorginho and it's, I mean, is this the time to potentially look at cashing in on Jorginho? Or Kante. We, they haven't had the best of seasons. Um, I think they both have one year left in their contracts, especially Kante, I think, anyway. But it's just a, it's just a time where we need to start thinking maybe we sell before we, we lose on the free, which is what we've done before with a lot of players. Look at Giroud being being a, a prime example of that. Someone who still has a job to do, but he's almost... I mean, Giroud's probably not the best example because me personally, I wanted to keep him, but we all did. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, Jorginho hasn't had the best of season, Kante as well. We probably want to bring in some new faces, maybe Conor Gallagher coming back in as well. Is this the time to sell maybe Jorginho or Kante?
1: It's funny that we're talking about selling arguably one of the (laughs) best midfielders in the world in Kante and supposedly the third best player in the world, Jorginho, according to the Ballon d'Or rankings. But um, I think, should we? Should we? Should the sanctions get lifted and we can go into the uh, summer transfer window and pick up a midfielder? I think I mentioned to you offline, it looks like we've made two many our number one target. He's a lot younger than Jorginho and Kante. We've got Gallagher potentially coming back. He looks like 99% sure that he will come back and play a role next season in, um, in a, with Chelsea. But I think he'd be more kind of battening out with Mount for that position rather than maybe a Kante or a Jorginho. But... I mean, it completely depends on the sanctions, whether they get lifted or whether you know it gets to the halfway point of the summer, we still have these sanctions. I'm not sure. But it's such a difficult one. I, I think I'm, I like I also mentioned about Schemeni, I think Jorginho, like I said, it looks like the we are thinking of selling him. We might entertain bids for him from a serie A club or so on. Which is a shame in a way, because it was such a kind of good kind of vibe around those three midfielders in Kanté, Kovacic and Jorginho last last, last um, season when Tuchel came in but we've seen kind of cracks in that this season but on their day they're world class but i think we're just basing it on the last couple of weeks of football we've seen from the lot so i'm just hoping they can pick up some some performances and and make sure that they are here come come August September time
0: yeah, and I think as well, you know, I think you, you're spot on in terms of age. I think that's one of our issues. You know, you look at both of them, um, you know, uh, at the wrong side of their sort of age bracket for the role that they play, in my opinion, um, that yes, they can go on and play for many, many years. But I just think that the Premier League is a very intense, fast-paced league I would hate to see either of them go because I think they they are mm. they are both world class. We, we see, they might have that days or, or spells where they're not playing at their best, but I just think if it's at the again if it's at the expense of someone who like we know Conor Gallagher can do a job. Too, and many could come in and do a, a job, maybe not as good as them at the start, but can embed them into the team, build around those two, keep Werner Havertz as well. You look at Reese James. We've got Thiago Silva for another season. Can we keep Rudiger? You know, we, we. I mean, it's not a bad team when you look at it in that in that way. You know, if we can have a Conor Gallagher, Mason Mount just in front of them, Loftus Cheek yeah. coming off the bench, it, it. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be annoyed to see one of them go. Um, I think losing two would be a massive blow. At the same time, uh, you know, at the same period, I think that'd be a massive blow. Um, but I, I do think one of. I think Jorginho would probably be the one that goes. Uh, I think he's he's itching for a move back to Italy and. You know, he, he has been a very good play for us, you know, so I think I wouldn't be I wouldn't be disheartened to see him go. I think it's probably the right time. Probably the yeah. right time for him to go, in my opinion.
1: I, I don't want to go into too much detail about this, but we can ask ourselves the same questions about our defence. We've got Christensen, who's supposedly signed a pre-contract with Barcelona. We've got Rudiger, where his contract situation is still up in the air and his agents now praising Manchester United by the looks of it on, on social media. We've got Silva, who's 37, 38, probably he's got at least, I mean, He's got one more season in him at least at Chelsea. Aspie, we don't know what's going to happen. I think before talking about midfield, we need to sort out our defence, bring at least another centre-back in. I'm still not sure about this Jules Conde kind of deal. I don't know if that's going to happen, whether he's the right fit. We've got Levi Colwell out on loan at Huddersfield, who's been superb, but no Premier League experience as well. Maybe he could benefit from a Premier League loan before coming into this Chelsea team. Mm. So there's a lot of questions to be asked this summer, but I think before that, we just need to sort out the ownership, which is something we hate to talk about on this podcast. I yeah, know, yeah. But we... We're going to
0: avoid. Yeah. But no, you're right. I think, I think you know, it all depends on the sanctions. I think, you know, we're talking that we can sign players. It could be the fact that we don't sign any players and we have to make do with the players that we've got that come back in from their loans and the players that we've currently got in a squad. But getting back to the eleven that we've got for Sunday, one of the words that I love is consistency. And... For me, it has to be Werner Havertz, Mason Mount as a front three or Werner Havertz with Mount just sitting behind him, um, which I feel like he kind of did against um, Crystal Palace, I think, at the the last weekend. But what would your front three be? Would it be the the three that we have now in terms of Werner Havertz and Mount? Or would you potentially swap it for maybe a Ziyech or a Pulis? I'm not sure, but surely consistency is the, the way forward.
1: Like I mentioned, it's a must-win game and you want your best 11 based on what you've got in the squad right now, yeah, but, you know, with the injuries as well. So I think given that it's a must-win, you're picking your lineup based on form and consistency and the, our best three currently are Werner, Havertz and Mount. So I fully agree with you on those, those front three and then maybe bringing the Ziyech or Pulisic off the bench, Lukaku even, given how, maybe how the game goes. But I want to be st- starting the game with those, those front three that are on the screen right now.
0: We know what we've got to do before we uh, we wrap up and we have to do the, the predictions. I feel like we haven't done predictions for a while. Um, so we're not good at it, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started off okay. I started off okay and then I went downhill, I think um, just before the international break. But what's your predictions? I, I think I went for 2-1 earlier on today. I'm sticking with 2-1. I think I said Jorginho penalty and I think I said Havertz goal, but I did say that we'll let West Ham back into the game in the second half as well.
1: Yeah. I've got a feeling, again, it's going to be a... I know I said it's a must-win game, but I feel like we might drop points. Mm. I feel it's going to be a 2-2 scoreline. Maybe a very lot of defensive mistakes again, which I don't think we'll get that sorted anytime soon. And I think, like you said, maybe a couple of times we'll let West Ham back into the game. So I'm going to go 2-2, but... I want to. I want to say also two one for Chelsea being as a Chelsea podcast, and I want to stay confident, but
0: my heart's telling me it's going to be two two. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if we drop points. I wouldn't. Especially, it's weird because episode six is called Jekyll and Hyde because that's what we are at the moment. You know, we're playing really well against Southampton. Like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, the best performance I think since yeah Napoli 2012, potentially in the Champions League against Real Madrid to to play that well. And then we, we we come back and play Palace, do okay. But I mean, it's it was downhill, almost Palace. Was, there were signs there in the Palace game for me that we weren't where we needed to be in terms of our performances. But we, we can't afford to drop points against West Ham. You know, we've got you know, Everton away will not be easy. Neither will United away. There'll be two tough games um, that we, we, we're going to have to grab six points out of them as well. I just don't know. I don't I think we can't afford to drop any points. We have to treat every game like we're trying to win the league, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I don't
1: agree. But we're Chelsea football club, we don't make we don't do do things the easy way. Like we saw last season when it went down to the last game of the season where we had to rely on I yeah. think Tottenham um yeah. beating Leicester, but we on the Champions League in the end, so it would have qualified automatically. But I think it could be a similar kind of last week, maybe stressful day where we find out if we're top four or not
0: well fingers crossed we don't and fingers <laughs> crossed we get three points <laughs> fingers crossed we get three points I'm, I'm confident you know i think after a defeat the way that we did against arsenal i honestly can't see us playing um as bad as we did i think if we if we do i'll be i'll be very surprised i think you know we um we we have to get this right. We have to get this, this, the formation right, whether it's a back four or you know the three centre backs with the two wing backs. We have to get it spot on. Of, you know, otherwise we could be seriously looking behind our backs at the the two teams that we 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 shall not name. But we we could potentially be looking at a, a scrap for third and fourth, which is just, you know crazy to me that we're even in that position. We shouldn't be, and you know. Earlier on, I said it's these kind of games where Arsenal, you think back to November and December, the games that we drew, uh, you know, our home record hasn't been the best. You know, I think we said uh, last night or the night before that, you know, Thomas Tuchel potentially might have one of the lowest um, records at he home does. at Stamford Bridge.
1: Does. I saw ranks below Lampard, Conte, riño Sarri, a lot of our recent managers.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm still too cool, you know, Tuchel, cool no, leaving him 100%. I, and I, one of the things that I did say again to someone was that, you know, we have to remember Thomas Tuchel hasn't really had a, a real transfer window. You know, he's only signed into I think, is maybe Sao Niguez on loan, Lukaku. Better Nelly, <laughs> better. I mean, better if we're going to really, yeah, uh, he hasn't really had to, not that he hasn't had the opportunity because I'm sure, you know, he gave a list of plays he wanted to, to the board. But, And not to mention the new owners, but when and if the new owners do come in, as soon as they come in, I'm pretty sure, again, there'll be conversations about who do we want to bring in, who do want to go, if we can, without the sanctions being in place. But I think Tuchel needs to be backed heavily, I think, in the summer. Um, An assessment of the players that we currently have as well, in terms of the ones that are on loan, Conor Gallagher's, uh, Billy Gilmore, who I think I read earlier might be going back out on loan somewhere. Full, full, full season loan next season. Um, but those sort of players, even Mitzi Batchaway, we've got players that are still on loan, that are still here. But what are we going to do with them? Danny Drinkwaters, those sort of players just need, we, you know, there needs to be a massive overhaul, which we've said before um, on the podcast. It has to be that sort of clear out and focus on the core players. And like I said earlier, quality in depth, not just depth, for me, is the, is the, the thing that we need to focus on.
1: Yeah, spot on. I'd agree with all that.
0: So two, 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 three, oh, two, one for me, I think um, I'm obviously gearing towards the two, one. I can't, I can't not back us. Although you did say two, one as well, to be fair, but um, yeah, you know, we, we, have got to get a win, but for everyone who's been listening or watching, as you can now watch on Spotify as well, which is a, a good um, tool to have. So you can watch the podcast or listen to the audio version of the podcast on Spotify. So if you are doing that, please make sure you go to YouTube after this and search from the shed end smash the like button hit the subscribe button as well let us know your thoughts in the comments and also if you see at the top of the screen you'll see that we've got all our social and also youtube instagram twitter please make sure you give those a follow as well we hit a thousand followers on twitter which is well we've just hit them so i don't want to prematurely see it drop back down but we've hit a thousand followers on twitter i I, I lose count of instagram i I think last time i checked it was six thousand maybe maybe i've made that up
1: six thousand two hundred something. it's six
0: thousand something but it's, it's it's, it's, it's doing well um, but please make sure you subscribe because that's the one that we really want to try and push now as well um, Theo as always thank you very much for joining me let's hope we get three points this weekend big games this weekend Merseyside Derby after us as well which will be interesting super frank um, Liverpool Arsenal to... um,
1: Man U Arsenal as well Man Arsenal
0: yeah. as well big game but super frank we, we've got to try and hope that Everton stay up and notice as a Chelsea podcast but not on the you know, 1st of May though <laughs> no i'm not on the first of may no, no we need we need to uh hope that Godison treats us well and um yeah we can we can get three points there but fear as always thank you very much for joining me episode 60 of from the shed end podcast thank you all for watching and listening until next week have a good weekend we'll be back.